everyone. Happy Dark Sky Month. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Antelope Island State Park Podcast. My name is Trish, and I am the park naturalist and head cheerleader for Dark Skies at Antelope Island. Back in April 2021, Utah's state governor declared April Dark Sky Month. Now, as of this recording in 2023, the International Dark Sky Association recognizes 201 dark sky places in the world. 24 of those 201 are in our amazing state of Utah. So it's really great that Governor Cox and his administration really recognizes how special the night sky is in our state. Now, of those 24 dark sky places in the state, 10 of them are Utah State Parks. We have really spearheaded the initiative in the state of Utah to protect the night sky as much as we can and, and help educate the public in, in helping us protect that night sky. So we're really proud of the work we've done and the relationships that we've made to help with those protections and to make it available to this and future generations. If you're unfamiliar with the International Dark Sky Association or the IDA, I'm going to call them both things throughout this episode, they are the agency that really spearheaded protecting the night sky through advocacy and education. From their website, that you, you can find that at darksky.org. Their purpose is to protect the night from light pollution. <laughs> so pretty straightforward. They are headquartered in Tucson, Arizona, but they really have become a global advocate for protecting dark skies. Now, what does it take to be designated a dark sky park? A lot. It takes a lot. It takes a lot. Um, I grew up in a very rural community and I have seen and really taken for granted my share of really beautiful night skies. Just having dark skies is not all it takes to be certified as a dark sky place or park in our case. Now to be recognized by the International Dark Sky Association, it requires a very, very, very lengthy application process. On their website, the IDA says that the average application for this designation takes one to three years to complete. That's just the application. Now, once the application is complete and it goes to a committee for approval or rejection, that process is another six months or so. So you really need to be committed to this designation to complete this whole process. Requirements for certification varies depending on if you're applying to be a dark sky park like us, um, you can be a dark sky place, an urban area, a dark sky reserve, or sanctuary. So no matter what community you're part of, this can be a goal for you too. Even if you are not the park naturalist at a state park or a national park, uh, your community can become a dark sky community. Now requirements for dark sky park designation included having visual access to the Milky Way with the unaided eye. So no nearby artificial light sources with glare and any light domes that are present have to be dim and close to the horizon. Now we're pretty lucky here. We are surrounded by this great big lake where we can't develop. So we have kind of that seven mile at least barrier of water away from that light dome. So that really gave us an advantage. 
we had to complete a lighting management plan, and that includes uh, written policy from our agency regarding responsible outdoor lighting. It had to be written policy. We had to inventory every fixture and every bulb on the park and justify it. Anything that couldn't be justified by being absolutely necessary, shielded, and only as bright as necessary had to be removed. So if it wasn't necessary, it had to be removed. If it couldn't be shielded, it had to be removed. If we couldn't make it dim, it had to be removed. We had to include letters of support from our agency, that's Utah State Parks and Utah's Department of Natural Resources. We had to document sky quality measurements with reports and photographs. This is where the three years comes in. It can't be just one measurement. It couldn't be one photograph. It was an average of dark sky quality. We had to submit a list with descriptions for interpretive programming related to dark skies and include summaries of prior programs and activities with photos. So we had to really already be doing this dark sky work before we could send our application. We had to establish at least two external partnerships in dark sky friendly efforts and work with at least two local municipalities nearby on their lighting policies to help darken our skies. So you spent three years to gather all of that data and reports that are required for the application. Less if you're Wendy Wilson, assistant park manager at Antelope Island State Park, who completed hers in a year and a half because she's amazing at her job. Um, <laughs> but after that time, it goes to committee. You wait another five or six months, and then you're finally awarded with a dark sky park designation or not, and you get to try again. But we were, so phew. We finally made it a long, grueling effort. Time to celebrate our achievement, relax, and rest a little bit, right? Wrong. <laughs> dark sky designation is not in perpetuity. The work continues. Essentially, all this work that takes on average three years to compile must also be included in an annual report after your designation. So every year after your designation, you have to send this report to the International Dark Sky Association, and that's going to show the park's ongoing commitment to protecting and educating folks about this valuable resource. So you can't get your designation, you can't print the banners and put your badge on your letterhead and take a deep breath and host laser light shows right after. The work continues. You really have to show that you're dedicated and that you're gonna keep up the fight. Now, it's a lot. <laughs> Part of the requirement, of course, to maintain your designation is to host those programs, those night sky programs and education programs, so that our visitors can experience and help protect the night sky. One such program, <laughs> we were having a photography workshop up at the visitor center. We were inviting folks who maybe had a DSLR camera, weren't sure how to take it off auto. They wanted to take photos of the Milky Way and needed some guidance. Around the same time, we had finished or nearly finished this new campground loop that had you know amazing amenities like flushy, flushy toilets and water access and hookups and power right at the campsites. Very exciting. One of the things that maybe our agency didn't communicate well enough in planning meetings or maybe the contractor didn't take it seriously was lighting. So imagine our horror <laughs> when we invited folks out for an astrophotography workshop 
at the visitor center of their local dark sky park and we saw for the first time the new campground loop lit up like a Christmas tree. Every pedestal at every campsite was lit and it was lit poorly. The light was shining out, the light was shining up, the light was so bright. Uh, the dump station looked like a car dealership. It was, it was spat. <laughs> Needless to say, there was a lot of work the following week replacing bulbs, adding switches, adding timers, and shielding some of those fixtures that were necessary but needed some, some shielding. So even though that campground loop is around three miles away from the visitor center where our photography event was, there was still enough light trespass to affect our photographers. Uh, anyway, that problem's been solved, so please, if you were in that class, give us another try. Uh, watch for more of those astrophotography workshops as things warm up a bit. So, so much work. Why? Why do we do it? Now, I hinted at this a little bit earlier, but the mission statement for Utah State Parks is to enhance the quality of life of Utahns and visitors by preserving and providing natural, cultural, and recreational resources for the enjoyment, education, and inspiration of this and future generations. Dark skies check all three boxes for types of resources that we're here to protect and provide access to. Protection and access to nature, protection and access to culture, protection and access to recreation. As humans, we have somehow been able to physically visit and a lot of times alter most natural areas on this planet. There's not a lot of places that we haven't been and altered. Our natural environment extends well past this planet and well past our atmosphere. That, to me, is where nature is natural. So access to the night sky itself is so important. The impact of light pollution on Earth has a huge impact to the natural environment we have here on our planet. All of the things, from microbes, it, you know, the little itty-bitty things, to we humans. We are all affected negatively by artificial light at night. And to protect that, we have to take a hard look at our lighting. Now, the IDA shares a statistic that 80% of our population lives under a light-polluted sky. 99% of people in the U.S. and Europe can't see the Milky Way from their homes. Humans have been telling stories with and about the stars for tens of thousands of years, way before we screwed things up by shining bright lights into the, into the air. Now, when the night becomes saturated by that light and we start to lose access to the stars, we lose access to those stories. This deep and incredible history is just being washed away by bad lighting. It's there. We just can't see it. We can't talk about it. And the best part, recreation. It is our mission to protect and provide access to recreation resources. And I've tried a lot of tricks as a naturalist to spark awe. That's, that's my jam, right? That's why I'm here. I am in charge of sparking awe in our visitors and participants in my programs. I want people to be amazed by what's out here. Nothing works better than the Milky Way. Now, people come from town only seven miles away to our astronomy programs and star parties, and they're blown away by the Milky Way overhead. They live seven miles away, and they can't see it. Um, want to know what makes kayaking better? The Milky Way. <laughs> our night sky is bringing people to the park in droves. 
It's letting people experience a park that maybe they're super familiar with in a whole different context. Since 2017, when we achieved our designation from the IDA, we have hosted tens of thousands of people for workshops and star hops and star parties and tours and virtual stuff. People love it. And it's our job to make that accessible. That's why we do it. Well, that's the very, very surface level reason for why we do it. I want to go on and on about the importance of the night sky to our birds and other wildlife, the ecology of the Great Salt Lake, and our own health and safety, because again, it affects us all. But I don't have time for all of that in this short podcast episode. I do have one ask, and it's a big one. Well, it's, it's really not hard. It's pretty simple. Here's the thing. When we sent our application to the IDA, the International Dark Sky Association for Dark Sky Park designation, we had to measure the darkness above the park and send in those readings. Now, it's an average, so we take several readings throughout the year, and that gives us and them a general measure of how dark our sky is and how we're impacted by light pollution out here. In the five years since our designation, our numbers have been going down, meaning the quality of darkness at the park is going down. Now, as mentioned, we have the benefit of this great big lake that can't be developed, but that big bright city is still getting closer and closer to the water's edge, and the sky glow is getting brighter and closer to the park. We're not asking you to turn off all of your lights. Just turn off the ones that aren't necessary. Dim those that are and throw a shield on them to make sure that they're shining light where it's needed on the ground and not at the sky or not at your neighbor, um, certainly not at your neighboring dark sky park. I hope also that you will join us or your local dark sky place if you're not in northern Utah for Dark Sky Week. This is an annual event collaborated by the International Dark Sky Association and designated dark sky places all over the globe to celebrate the night sky and help folks understand how important it is and how easy it is to fix. We talk about light in terms of pollution. There's light pollution, air pollution, water pollution. Pollution is a scary word. Light pollution has the easiest solution of all of them. Shield the light. Light the ground, not the sky. Sorry, that was a tangent. Back to Dark Sky Week. Dark Sky Week this year is April 15th through the 22nd. That is Saturday through Saturday. Antelope Island is still working on its events calendar, but you can expect stargazing programs on our nocturnal critters that depend on darkness, um, some fun kids activities, a lighting tour, and a lot more. So visit our website for a growing list of in-person and online events. That's antelopeisland.utah.gov, and it's a lot of fun, so I hope you'll join us. Thanks again for listening to the Antelope Island State Park Podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe and tell a friend. If you don't like it, I'd like that feedback as well. You can reach me with any suggestions, praise, or criticism at tackley@utah.gov. Your park is open daily from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Park information and information on upcoming events can be found on our website at antelopeisland.utah.gov. Find us on Facebook at Antelope Island SP. Instagram at Antelope Island State Park, and Twitter at Antelope SP. If you're within about 50 miles from our causeway, you can tune in to Antelope Island Radio at AM 530. See you on the island!